Good day. You are listening to a special interview series hosted by Free City Radio that is taking place in collaboration with a conference and concert in Montreal called Music and Anti-Fascism, Reflections on the Past and Possibilities in the Present. So this is an interview series that I'm hosting um, in collaboration with this conference. I'm Stefan Christophe and host Free City Radio. Uh, We, of course, are a weekly radio program and podcast. This interview series is basically conversations I've had with artists reflecting on their own creative practice, but also their relationship to activism. These interviews feature musicians who are joining a concert in July 2022 as part of this conference. And I wanted to take the opportunity to speak with artists about their practice, their work, and the intersections between their musical ideas and their musical practices and activism within this time of urgency when it comes to struggles for justice, when it comes to struggles against fascism internationally. It was great to get to record these interviews with an awesome set of artists here in the city, in Montreal. In this conversation, I had a chance to speak with Lucas Huang about community, music, experiences during the pandemic, reflections on the feeling of uh, DIY events, community show spaces as important for gatherings, for the process of coming together, uh, for the sharing of ideas, um, something that a lot of musicians were dealing with over the pandemic, that these alternative spaces were shut down, obviously. And so thinking really about independent music creation and spaces that feature local artists, not simply as a place that music is performed, but a place for listening, both between the artists as they share um, dialogue musically, but also for the audience and also in a broader sense of thinking about learning and listening in a community-based setting, talking about the development of community-based knowledge and learning and theories. Uh, We know that these spaces historically have been so important to the development of social movements and alternative cultural movements uh, all around the world. Lucas reflects also on a project that he worked on for many years, uh, his solo practice, uh, the reinterpretation of gospel songs. It's a great conversation, so I'll just leave it uh, at that. Um, Of course, I should mention Lucas talks about being part of the Egyptian Cotton Orchestra. Um, And it was a pleasure to speak with Lucas. Here's our exchange. Wow. So, yeah, we're in this Huitiem Avenue Park by Bobia. And there's a lot of really pretty doggies around. But I'm having a conversation with Lucas Huang, who is a musician and participates in many projects over the years. I remember seeing Lucas playing with the project Old Haunt, loving the sets and also just the setup you had with the drum and the guitar. And I remember at one point when you would hit the bass drum, it would trigger a light that was super dramatic. (laughs) I like that. And you're playing now with Egyptian Cotton Orchestra and I imagine other projects, but maybe just first to start, if you could just like 
introduce yourself. Uh, I think one thing that's interesting that's come out of these conversations is the idea of like music as a practice in people's lives. Like the idea of like thinking about like how to sustain a musical community oriented practice for a long time. So if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah, sure thing. (laughs) Hi, yeah, Uh, my name is Lucas Wong and uh, yeah, in addition to Old Haunt, Egyptian Cotton Orchestra, say Old Haunt has now become Sien, as I was saying to you earlier. Um, Not too different, but yeah, similar vibes, I guess, emerging as a new creature after the pandemic. Uh, I also play drums in Nenin um, with uh, with Amy McDonald and Tessie Hudson, um, and uh, that's all of my active projects at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. What was your question? Well, again? I was just, just like, yeah. you know, one thing is like we could talk about those projects and that would be wonderful. But I'd be interested to just hear your, you know, you you mentioned about emerging as a new creature after the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah which I think a lot of people are experiencing in different ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like, how is music part of your life and, like, yeah. choosing to make time for it? Uh, obviously, your practice is community-oriented. Yeah. So any any sort of thoughts about about that, too? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I was, um, I was talking with a coworker of mine who was in a band in his 20s, and he, like, he toured. It was his job for a while. Oh, wow. And then he... Uh, he quit that band and got kind of like a normal job and doesn't do music at all anymore. <laughs> and that, that was really shocking to me. Cause I thought, wow. I always figured just, you know, people who love this stuff, um, it's just kind of part of your life. You make time for it. Respect. And, um, but yeah, for him, it was a completely different sort of approach to it. Um, like he still listens to music, still appreciates it, but you know, put his guitar away, doesn't touch it. and that 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 honestly that blew my mind so yeah I guess I would just say I think um, uh, I was talking I talk a lot with my friend uh, Amy from Nenin who I mentioned about like lifers like people who just were in it for life outside of whatever like commercial or um, just conventional ideas of success or or popularity or any of that is just like this is just um it's a practice i like that word you're using it's a practice it's it's a discipline in a sense um and definitely i think being part of a community is is uh i would say the central part of it um yeah i don't know i've been i think this is something that's changed for me uh uh recently where i i used to i think i used to have a very insular um, you know, introspective kind of music practice, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't think too much uh, about its place in the world, really. And something that's become way more important to me in the past few years is uh, is is feeling like the music that I'm doing and my artistic practice uh, does fit within mm. a broader community. Yeah. And there's a lot of dialogue in that process too, like people think about sometimes like this idea of like music sort of strictly exists in music but right. I mean in a process of like a sharing like an Egyptian cotton orchestra or other projects um, I'm sure with Nenon that's also a space for people to gather to talk about what's going on in society yeah. uh, social movements uh, how job going no, uh, exactly. yeah 
this is the thing that I was missing a lot in pandemic. So I, I was raised um, very religious in the Christian tradition, going to church and that kind of thing. And I, I realized how much uh, live music kind of had replaced that for me because there's lots of people, you know, like like yourself, who uh, I would see regularly mm-hmm. without making plans to just, oh, we end up at the same place and we hang out and we catch up mm-hmm. and we talk about things. And yeah, we talk about how our lives are going. We talk about what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, yeah, so, so vital to how I understood. I took it for granted, right? I, I never really... Uh, articulated to myself mm. how important that was mm-hmm. to to um i don't know my sense of my social circle my community mm-hmm. you know just uh where i get information about the world <laughs> from like yeah. i just didn't realize how important that was is it wasn't just like oh shows they're fun you know it really was uh i don't know something pretty vital yeah and and also like small diy shows yeah, or absolutely. yeah so important for that yeah yeah 100 percent. right on respect um so yeah just to think about like i like the term that you use when you're talking about music like lifers yeah, like yeah, yeah. um because i mean if you think about certain music traditions like you know i mean i'm just thinking we're close to new york so like jazz yeah, right yeah, like yeah. people played throughout their lives it's often intergenerational you know it it's like music is not necessarily removed from like the community you're part of or your family or you know yeah I yeah I, I just think that often the way that m- musicians are sort of placed like oh here's this yeah. musician removed you know yeah for sure um i've been thinking a lot about uh how music has like what what the point of music has been mm. right throughout mm. <laughs> because uh you're right. It has it has become, um, in I guess sort of like a pop music tradition or art music tradition. This uh, just you know the expression of the individual artist or whatever, right? And like sort of put on a pedestal and separated from, and kind of like abstracted away. Yeah. Um, but for I don't know most of human history, I'm guessing I'm not an expert on this, but it it served a function, right? It was for religious purposes it was for dance and social occasions it was for funerals or you know and it had it 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 had a a place of service right um in a way it's almost like the colonial like capitalist framework commodified exactly yeah 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 turn it into something that can be yeah commodified and sold yeah wow respect um so during the pandemic like how how did that all go for you like did you take like time with music in a different way i mean i i haven't um honestly aside from just kind of thinking about it (laughs) a little bit um i haven't really defined for myself how i want my practice to change but this is something that that absolutely did flip for me within the pandemic where Mm. as i was saying i used to have this sort of just introspective just sit down and and write the songs whatever i'm feeling and not not consider too much um what it was what it served who it served right and now i'm thinking about that more and i i don't have an answer for you in terms of what that looks like now but it's something i want to be you know more conscious of for sure in my process i really appreciated something you said earlier about church right and like there's often this sort of idea that so, like if an institution is oppressive which the church definitely is yeah. 
in so many ways. Um, and, you know, um, shout out to all the people who are challenging the institutional racism and, and you know, gender-based violence that happens in that context. But people struggled within those institutions to create spaces of community that really had nothing to do with the leadership of whatever congregation or... And it's just interesting to hear what you were saying and think about the idea of drawing the things, drawing from a context like that and naming, like, the parts that people did that are positive as opposed to just denouncing something if it's associated with that. But thinking about how people created space in a difficult context, I don't know. I just appreciated, like, because I would hear, like, in a lot of musician interviews, it would be, oh, like, fuck the church or something, you know? But I I feel like a more nuanced, sort of thoughtful approach from what you said that centers the people there. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think uh, those things are both true, absolutely, right? Mm. (laughs) And, uh, um, I think, yeah, obviously uh, a lot of terrible things have come out of the church and organized religion broadly. Um, And it has also been the basis, or I don't want to say the basis, but definitely a lot of people who are prominent in social movements drew from, um, you know, religious beliefs around like justice and, um, you know, just doing what's right and, uh, you know, fighting for the downtrodden and that kind of thing right and now as you're saying like both of, both of these things can be true uh, it's a it's a big place <laughs> mm-hmm. for a lot of bad and a lot of good things to come from and uh, a lot of I think a, a lot of uh, my songwriting is grappling with that right because mm-hmm. I didn't entirely have a negative experience with church growing up but also mm-hmm. uh, you know as a gay man uh, and growing up in a socially conservative evangelical tradition obviously there there were also a lot of like super hurtful things that i uh am still kind of unpacking and, and still uh wrestling with you know um and, your and oh yeah and and i just just to say you know uh i also a hundred percent respect people who are just like fuck the church because uh uh if that's I think other people maybe, uh, well, yeah, I, anyway, it's, it's just, it's a fair response. Yeah, <laughs> if you've yeah, been, yeah. been hurt that bad, it's a fair response to, yeah. to maybe not necessarily want to have like a, a dig into the nuances of it. Um, uh, but for me, um, because that was my experience was this sort of like this mix of, mm. uh, you know, very challenging and very negative experiences with also some very uplifting and very sort of transcendent moments. Um, I'm trying to yeah, and, and s- yeah, see how to, how to capture that, I guess, or how to, how to recapture that, w- even though I don't believe it myself anymore, like in any literal way, you know? I'm just trying to like, how, how can we get, can, is that possible? Can I pull, that, pull those kinds of transcendent experiences out of it without having, you know, these deep spiritual beliefs or whatever you know how's it going <laughs> it's tricky it's challenging <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah yeah wow we have a lot of discussion uh, additional discussion yeah. going on um so and you say your songs are addressing that like maybe if you could share a bit more about that yeah i think um 
Yeah, again, it's it's not even something that uh, I was writing about in any deliberate way. Um, as I've mentioned, I sort of had this this not not super deliberate way of songwriting, right? Just sit down and see what happens. Um, I think there were things, for example, like the the old haunt record. Um, uh, a lot of that was written um, after my grandpa died, but I was not religious anymore. Like I, I, I think I'd arrived at a point where I realized I didn't believe the stuff that I'd grown up with, and so a lot of this was sort of grappling with uh, what uh, death means if I don't believe that heaven or hell exists, right? Like, um, and uh, there was also an EP of. Um, covers of uh, like gospel and and hymns that I did um, and that was I don't know I, I guess I I guess this was just as I was saying before maybe trying to capture some of those transcendent moments um, even though I don't believe them literally anymore it's because they're just Sometimes they're just good tunes, you know? <laughs> um, well, I really I appreciate know. what you're saying about the trance within a lot of music that's deemed to be religious, but it's, yeah. it's more like spiritual or like transcendent or, you know, and I appreciate the idea that people are sort of drawing from that context uh, an experience that can be super profound. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, there there has to be something there, right? And th- that's why it's so powerful, right? It's, um, th- there is something about um, these ways of, that, that music is used in a religious context. There's something about that that is very powerful. I think maybe um, singing in a group is inherently always going to be a really powerful thing. Um, and that can be in the context of church or that can be uh, at a concert and everyone knows the song or, you know, New Year's Eve DJ night and everyone knows the song. Like, that's also a powerful experience. But, but there's, yeah, there's something, I don't know, there's something about that experience. Um, but yeah, I don't think, uh, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, I think, I think there is something uh, there that, I'm trying to grasp at, um, hopefully separated from <laughs> that institutional baggage, right? <laughs> well, I appreciate that reach, like that attempt to seek, that despite all the experiences that you had that were, you know, really traumatizing, you know, like, and exploring that through music. Um, do you feel like that? It's like sort of a seeking, seeking. Yeah, I think I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the old hymns that that I remember that it was an EP, I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah, very beautiful. Um, we'll share a piece from it maybe after after the after this discussion. Um, yeah, could you talk a bit more about that? Um, why why you chose those hymns? What they meant to you? Um, the process of like working with them this is so long ago i'm not oh, sure i even remember <laughs> they still sound great thanks yeah. yeah um i'm yeah i'm still very happy with how it turned out i 
I think part of it, honestly, was uh, I had a bit of writer's block. I just didn't know. I just wasn't happy with what I was producing, and I was like, oh, I'll just why don't I try to learn some songs that are already out there. Um, two of the songs are by the Reverend Blind Willie Johnson, who, um, in addition to just being you know an amazing writer and interpreter of these songs. Um, uh, I guess was was like influential in in like blues music overall. Um, it's it's not a world I know very much about, but that's, that's I understand that's, that's kind of like he's the way he played guitar and the way he sang was like influential on on the genre. Um, and so when I I was just getting into his music and um, I think that was such a different type mm-hmm. of religious expression than what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I mix the two on those evenings. Okay, guys. Come on, guys. Wow. Well, we are outside in a park, so there's a lot of activity going on. I've been trying to record these interviews with people sort of in spaces that they're familiar with. So this is a great, beautiful day and a lot of extracurricular activity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I was mix the two and I have two songs that are sort of more from the hymnal tradition okay. right um, and then I had two of those sort of more gospel blues type of songs um, and I like them both but I think the, the, the thing that really struck me about those Blonde Willie Johnson songs is um, they're really meant to be sung it's like they it's like you're pulling them from a deeper place you know the, the hymns are very proper, um, they're very, uh, the, the melodies are very linear, you know, and the, they're very polite, <laughs> you know, mm. and then um, the gospel blues songs, there, there's like, there's like dirt in them, there's like mm. dirt in, you put, you, you have, you know, uh, they're sung with this more like gravelly, earthy tone, right, there's, they're more, um, yeah, I don't know else, how else to put it, yeah, but it. but but that's it's the kind of thing that uh, really struck me when I first started listening to it because it's this mix of of uh, that subject matter, the very lofty subject matter, um, uh, but it's like it comes from closer to the ground, you know. Um, and so these days you're continuing your solo work in different ways. And you're playing in this ensemble, Egyptian Cotton Orchestra. How's that going? It's good. It's um, it's very different from anything else I've done. Um, I uh, I normally really take my time, you know, to a fault, and really uh, uh, I spend a long time writing songs, um, finalizing arrangements, and that kind of thing. And this is completely the opposite, where we go in without much of a plan usually and we just play and we just feel you know uh we just feel however we're feeling <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. and that comes out in the music yeah yeah um, and and the dialogue i would imagine too there's there's a bit of dialogue there's, but it's mostly uh it's mostly instrumental yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah but i meant i meant like the oh dialogue, the musical dialogue like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 no, it's, and it's really fascinating. I think I, I, I really like how um, 
all of us have different musical backgrounds and the way that uh, those things, um, the, the interplay between those different backgrounds, um, I find that really interesting. Um, I am, I sometimes feel like intimidated <laughs> by the people that I'm playing. Mm. Uh, but uh, for me, it's sort of just an exercise uh, in, in really listening and really, uh, yeah, I think as a, as, a, as a drummer in that ensemble, I'm really not driving it, you know, the way that a rock drummer is, you know, the backbeat of, of a group. Um, I, I, I feel like I really uh, am trying to listen and be in tune with, with what the other people are doing. Mm. Um, and, and I spend a lot of the time not playing <laughs> as a result. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. So listening is as much as playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this type of, yeah, in those types of music, I would say for sure, yeah. I think that maybe it's just interesting to just touch on that point a bit, like the idea of, like, playing music is not just the playing part. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, always, that's always the case, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but any, any thoughts about that in terms of how music playing is often framed? It's like, right. oh, well, we're doing a concert, so we're playing, but actually you're also sharing this experience of collective listening both with the audience but also inside the band yeah 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 no in a sense i think um the egyptian cotton orchestra is is the i feel almost like i'm half an audience member and half a performer in that ensemble if that makes sense um yeah i feel like that's the i feel like that's the group where uh the distinction between um audience and performer is is the thinnest in in the groups that i'm part of um because yeah there are there are times when we're all just sitting back and you know ari's playing a solo for you know a few minutes you know and yeah and and that's that's how we're feeling in the moment right and uh so then in that moment yeah we are just the audience members right and then at a certain point, we kind of step back in if we feel like there's a, the time is right to, to play our own phrase or something. Thanks for the talk today, Lucas. Appreciate it. Thank you. Right on. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, we Sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. God's free.